0: you got a haircut nah man (laughs) oh yeah it's short now man it's short it's annoying as hell i hate it oh okay so it's not really a haircut you just had a ponytail back
1: yeah i tied it up because it was annoying but now it's like so short that when you
0: tie it up it just comes a little pineapple (laughs) so this is um supposedly the live live streaming session i'm not actually sure if it's actually going live to be honest because um according to the platform that we're on you know riverside.fm shout out to riverside.fm they've been kind enough to like some of the posts that i put up
1: um, and also
0: sharing some of their stuff onto their stories which is nice so shout out to those guys but um so according to riverside.fm if I go if I record on the platform, provided that I've feed the correct stream keys and stream URL, whatever that is, to Facebook, once we hit record, which we're recording right now, it should go live automatically. I, as far as I understand it. But So
1: this doesn't give you the chance to edit out all the terrible stuff we say though. Like is this what we Is yeah, this the direction yeah. we want
0: to go in? I don't do a lot of
1: editing, to be honest. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like we need these like two and a half hour things, these blocks of garbage. Uh, no nah, kidding. <laughs> of gold information that people tune into. Uh, um, so yeah, this is our first official live stream. Hopefully, it's working. Um, I'm not really it. sure. You know how there's uh, like, you, know, uh, you know how there's uh, like um, a live comment section as well. Oh, oh usually, what you, you get comments? Where you know how usually there is something like that. Like if you go to like uh, any live stream on YouTube or facebook i guess instagram there's always people commenting live and all that kind of stuff if that is happening if this is for real happening we can't see it on riverside.fm on our platform I get no idea um so maybe i'll just go into a, a window like a facebook window to see if it's actually going live
1: yeah like if they want us to stop we, we, we can't listen actually in hindsight it might be better to have this like plausible deniability of knowing <laughs> what the comments are because i don't want to like upset <laughs> anybody by right. continuing when they're saying, "Please stop,
0: <laughs> please stop." Can you review the film now? It's been so long. Yeah. It's been uh, so long.
1: It's been a solid two. Actually, you know what? Two minutes forty-one. We've talked. We've said the word "film." That is a good record.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so yeah, live session, <laughs> whether it's true or not, um, of the review and recap for Mission Impossible: Did Reckoning Part One. Now. Were you actually serious? Like, you haven't seen any other Mission Impossible before this?
1: I've seen the first one, and I really liked the first one. Like, the first one's actually a really good movie.
0: Like, and how how, like how long ago did you see the first one?
1: Saw it, saw it, like, back in 96, I guess, like, when it came out. I saw it in the cinema.
0: No way, really?
1: Yeah, I haven't watched it again.
0: And I don't know what happened. I just
1: kind of, like, fell out of it, because, like, I didn't watch two, three, four, five. I have since learned that this is number 7. And that was genuinely surprising to me. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, that's crazy. But it feels like a movie you can just jump into. You know what? As a person who has no history with the film, I can sort of be the voice of the the casual person who just wants an action film.
0: <laughs> so the first Mission Impossible came out in 96. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. The second one came out, I want to say 2000. or that. And that was the first... People. I suppose so. That was the first one that was filmed in Australia. You know what's funny? My friend thinks that that one is
1: terrible, and I haven't it's seen terrible.
0: it. No, it's but it's directed it's by John Woo. I can't hate it. I can't it's hate too, it. It's so bad. That but can't to, be. Be fair, uh, to be fair, I haven't seen it since, I don't know, maybe when it came um, out, 2002? Or, have uh, you seen any of those classic like
1: John Woo films? I just can't fathom that this is a bad one. It's pretty bad. Is there a lot of, like, um, double flying and double pistol
0: action? I don't know. I honestly can't remember. Like, it was quite terrible that I didn't really want to rewatch it. So um, maybe I'll give it a go. Like, um, maybe when Part 2 comes out, you know, Part 2 of Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Maybe we review and recap the entire Mission Impossible franchise leading up to Part two's release. That would Pro- be a lot of work, but Pro- it would Pro- be a Pro- lot, Pro- lot of We stay on track, like, you know, to... So, we time it correctly so that by the time part two comes out, we've already finished the entire franchise. That's a big commitment. Okay. And I know when I'm. When is that coming time, out? A year from directing uh, Did part one's release. So.
1: Okay, so theoretically, we have enough time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a lot of time. Um, but something, I don't know, like something tells me, I was just kind of looking at some reactions yesterday on. Um, the MCU, there's a lot of these YouTube MCU reactions, you know, catching up, seeing it for the first, haven't seen it, and watching it for the first time type of YouTube clips. And so I sort of thought to myself, maybe I review some of the MCU films that I haven't done on the podcast, because I started this podcast way after um, the MCU Infinity Saga wrapped up.
1: It was like, wait, we're not wrapped up, right? Like, you you started this podcast before Infinity War came out, no?
0: No, 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 I started it um when Eternals came out that and Eternals was my first episode that I released oh shit okay I didn't know that oh damn okay (laughs) Uh, yeah so we I mean we're coming into almost two years by the time it gets to November this year it'll be two years hopefully by then by November it can clock 100 episodes right now this is episode 59 um you're not getting there it's true. I'm not getting there. <laughs> yeah. If
1: you're, if you're on episode 59 after in one and a half years, you're not going to knock out 40 maybe, between now and November. You know, maybe I'm okay, I'm maybe I build started.
0: like a lot of traction to this. To be know, fair,
1: if you're, if you're doing backlog stuff, then yeah, you can pull it off. Right. Cause you're not at the whims of Hollywood at that point. You're, you're just watching stuff that's freely available. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Okay. That's doable. It's possible.
0: It's yeah, it's possible for sure. Um, so where was I going with this? Um, yeah, I, I think something tells me that I really want to review and recap a lot of the MCU stuff do, from the Infinity um, Saga,
1: Captain America 2, the duality of love and hate. Because <laughs> sure. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to crap on it.
0: Did you see the trailer for The Marvels? You probably have The Marvels? Sorry, what is The Marvels? Captain, Captain Marvel's sequel. Oh, really? Mm. I've always hated that character. It's a, yeah, it's not yeah. a very likable character.
1: She's also oh, she's not, a- not likable. It's just more the fact that, like... Okay, this is one thing... This is funny, because I just watched um, Endgame. I was, I've been doing this marathon, sort of, off-camera, which actually, in hindsight, was probably not a great use of time if you're going to go through a whole thing. But um, I just hate the fact that, like,
0: she's this person who's just ridiculously powerful, right? right. I remember and you saying you're a Superman hater.
1: I am a Superman hater. <laughs> but, like, they kind of... I don't know why they... and this is, Maybe there's some sort of lore aspect to this, but, like they write her in in order to just kind of write her out again like she's just like oh there's other planets and then she uh, and that's a fair that's a fair statement right there's other planets but i just don't understand I, I it's a
0: fair statement. statement but i see what you mean like it's a little bit of a um yeah. it's an easy scapegoat for a character like that it's like how can you write something interesting and keep the character complex and have some kind well, of uh, she just, she just didn't do a surface. lot, so I just no. got the feeling that, like, well, what she was doesn't the do a lot in end game, and there's a I would say like a fair, justifiable reason for her not being in the game, um, uh, like the way the Russo's explain yeah, it, think. yeah. Like, there's other players. Yeah, it's reasonable.
1: Uh, it's reasonable, yeah. She, no, she shows up and destroys a rocket ship by flying into it, and then Thor is in, and she's, like, kind of one-on-one, th- not, not Thor, uh, Thanos. Mm. She's one-on-one Thanos, and she's kind of winning, right, until he grabs the stone and, and, and hits her with it. Mm-hmm. So it just makes you have these thoughts of, like, well, who are these guys? These guys suck. We right. just need her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So, yeah, the, the Marvel trailer, you're probably not going to like it. It looks corny as hell um, oh no i love corny i'll take that it looks cheesy it looks like a yeah. kids movie i remember i saw somebody in the comments because they had some promo material just before um the release of the trailer you know they do these kind of like 15 second stories like instagram story promos and the promo was so bad there's like each character each sort of marvel character because you know there's like two others that have similar powers now to captain marvel I was not aware of this. No, okay. who? Not, not similar powers, but they have powers that are derived, I think, from the Tesseract or something along the lines. Anyway, because there's Miss Marvel, right? The, the TV series, the Disney Plus. The young one, yeah. yeah. So she's in this sequel to Captain Marvel called The Marvels. Yep. And she has a different set of powers that I think derive from the same concept. I'm not entirely sure. I think they're going to unfold a little bit more of that detail in The Marvels. And then there's. Uh, Monica Rambeau, who was the daughter, you know, the young girl in the first Captain Marvel movie, who is now older.
1: No, I don't recall that either.
0: You Remember there was a daughter in the Captain Marvel movie?
1: Um, whose daughter?
0: Of Monica, is it Monica Rambeau or something Rambeau?
1: Uh, like her friend? No. Yeah, her um, friend,
0: her friend who was like, she was a pilot with in the Air Force. Yeah, who, has she a daughter. has a daughter.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: And um, she's special. And she's got some powers that she kind of got in the Wonder Vision TV series. So. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. She got some powers that was um, like it's not similar. It's not actually derived from the Tesseract, but I think the powers that she has is some kind of sonic wave power or something like that. I'm not sure. The
1: girl that goes in mm-hmm. to Mar- into Wanda's place, mm-hmm. um, she's a character from a different show. Oh, oh, oh man. She's a different like, the, the agent, right? The agent, the one who 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 goes in there on purpose.
0: Um wait. I'm confused. Who are you talking about again?
1: In one division, <laughs> there's a character who like sort of goes in on purpose, and she's the first one that kind of like lifts the lid on it a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's her. That's the character from Captain Marvel. That's the character from Captain Marvel. She's the girl. I- she's she's the like she's a te- no, teenager. She's a child, right? Because it's 1996 or no, whatever it is. Ch- isn't she like a like an agent, like a middle-aged person at this point? No, in the, in the first Captain Marvel movie, yeah,
1: it's she's the a girl.
0: It's the girl. It's the daughter.
1: And in 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 Wonder she's older
0: because and it's she's
1: later. like a, a a decorated person. Yeah. didn't she? Not need- decorated. Yeah,
0: it's her mom that's decorated because her mom's okay. like dead at that point. Um, so she's trying to, I guess, live the legacy of her mom, being a part of like an agent. A oh, Monica Rambo. Monica Rambo, yeah.
1: The daughter of Maria Rambo, and Maria Rambo is-, is the
0: older one, who's the friend of Captain Marvel. Oh my
1: God! Mm. I did not put that together at all. I just thought. That this was a net new character.
0: No, no, no. So so it's the daughter, right? Um, and she's got these new powers, and all three of them, they meet in the Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel.
1: Is, is there an in-universe explanation for the name Captain Marvel?
0: Mm, yeah, it's. I think it's got something to do with... Because um, uh,
1: Marvel is the name of the comic books, right? It's the like- name of
0: the franchise, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I should, think like, it's
0: got something to do with like having influence from the captain. There was a Captain Marvel in the DC Comics who is now called Shazam. Shazam. Um, I think it was inspired by that, and there was maybe a I don't know like a legal battle between the two characters. No, no, then, no, no,
1: I'm, I'm talking in universe, like you know, Thor. He's like that's the dude's name. Captain America. He's the captain of of America. America. Whereas, like the Black Widow is like that's a cool code name, like you know, they I'm yeah. Captain Marvel in this universe. Marvel oh, comics. Is do you
0: remember from the first movie? No, not at all. Captain Marvel movie. So remember, like all the all the pilots, all the Air Force pilots, they all have call yeah. signs. Oh, is her one Marvel, and her one's Marvel. Yeah.
1: Oh, Okay. Cool. Mm. Okay. That's the,
0: that's the movie. That's the MCU interpretation. I don't think that's not the comic interpretation. That's just oh, yeah, the way yeah. yeah, the I, movie I, likes I, to do it evidently
1: have blanked on this film and when, okay so just to be clear what i said good reason, I, was, I guess yeah yeah like when i because when i was doing this um what's the term like this run through this this binge hmm. um i've been skipping things i don't like so i skipped <laughs> captain marvel i skipped Thor 2 i skipped a lot
0: well um spe- sk- speaking of skipping we should probably skip to the review okay recap. um there's probably some viewers, you know, eagerly waiting to hear about our review for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Uno. um mm. So this movie is directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, this is his second Mission Impossible film. He directed um, Fallout, um, which you haven't seen. I've seen it. I know you haven't seen it, but I've seen that. Um, and he's going to go on to direct um, Part Two as well. Uh, So we've got returning cast members, obviously Tom Cruise, who's coming back to reprise his role as Ethan Hunt. We have Mm. a brand new cast member, Hayley Atwell. I love Hayley Atwell, by the way. She's um, Captain America In this or in everything? I just like her as as Piggy Carter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's, she's great nice. is. Yeah, she's great at a Carter. She's also in the Agents of Stereo Shield um, TV series. Um, she plays a character called Grace. We've got Vinny Rhymes, who comes back as uh Luther Sticknow, and I think this is he's been in every single Mission Impossible movie. I, mean, yeah. he's, I think he's oh, one yeah. of the very few characters that has been in every single one. I'm pretty sure. Um, at least I'm like 99% sure. Simon Pegg comes back for his sixth. Uh, appearance as... Wait, ben six. G. So he was in the second one? No, he was in the third
1: one. Oh, okay. Because I was actually wondering, like, oh, Simon Pegg's in this. I was actually, like, you know, happy. Yeah. I didn't realize like he'd been in, like, nearly all of them.
0: Yeah, nearly all of them, yeah. And he started from Mission Impossible 3, which was directed by J.J. Abrams, and he got that... Fun fact, he got that role because he was in Star Trek.
1: <laughs> oh, he's, like, a fun guy to work with.
0: Yeah, I saw an interview about it, and some people was like, yeah, he was real casual. He just texted me. He was like, hey... Thank you for your hard work on Star Trek. Um, do you want to be in Mission Impossible? He was like, sure. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pretty big role too. Yeah, it's a pretty big role. Um, and his role kind of developed over the uh, Mission Impossible films, which is quite cool. He's actually one of my favorite characters in the whole franchise. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, we've got Rebecca Ferguson, who's coming back to reprise her role as Isla Faust. Um Vanessa Kirby, the White Widow, she's also coming back. This is her second, maybe, no, her third Mission Impossible film. Um, Mm. Asai Morales plays Gabriel. He He wasn't in the first one, but you know how there's that flashback on trying to figure out who this Gabriel character is? He's actually never been in the franchise. It's it's something that kind of shoehorned in there to show that there is is like a past with Ethan Hawke. Uh, Ethan Hawke, mm. Ethan Hunt, and this guy Gabriel.
1: I make that mistake all the time, by the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Um, we have uh, newcomer Pom Clementif who plays Paris. You know, she's famously Antenna Girl from the MCU. Guardians of the I Galaxy.
1: Her as Antenna Girl.
0: Antenna Girl. She's always <laughs> going to have that nickname now. Antenna Girl. Oh um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> we have Henry Crue. Kr- Czerny, who's named Kittredge? Yeah. Um, Shay Wigman plays Briggs. And then finally, we have Greg Tarzan Davis, who plays Degas. Um, and I have a theory about this character, by the way, Degas. I don't know if you remember who that is. Um, Degas, he, um, he's the guy that has a little bit of a um, moral indifference to his. Um, yeah, the sec- partner
1: Briggs second in command to, like, the, yeah. the guy who questions whether Ethan Hunt is doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, he's questioning whether he's doing the right thing or whether, yeah, whether he's actually on the on the good side. And Briggs yeah. is like, you know, he's like the cold cop, and he's like, no, 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 this guy's bad, we need but to take him down.
1: Even Briggs doesn't really, like, he kind of has that too, right? You kind of feel it?
0: Kind of, but you see it more in Vegas. And so my theory, which I want to get into when we get into the recap, um, mm. I'll unfold what that theory is. I think I'm going to be right about this as well. <laughs> that's good. Uh, with a runtime of two hours and 43 minutes this is the longest mission impossible film um at times i did feel like the runtime was two hours and 43 minutes um it didn't feel like a very efficient film but i'll get more into that or at least in my part on the impressions mm-hmm. um a big big budget almost 300 million dollars it's crazy this a that's very a very lot- expensive film that's actually more than a yeah. Avengers Endgame.
1: I feel like, and I'm going to make this up. So, you know, I could be wrong. I feel like there's not a lot of CGI. And when you don't use CGI, it's more expensive. That's my theory.
0: Yeah. True. Maybe. Yeah. That's that's all I got. (laughs) That's all you got. (laughs) Um, Currently, as it stands, box office intake of, this is worldwide box office intake, $370.8 million. And this is crazy because this was released on July 12th. We're already. Three weeks into its release, we're 12
1: days behind, right? Yeah, if about it's 12 like days. Awesome.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it's not tracking as well as it should. It should be at the actually, that's
1: really bad in hindsight. Hey, yeah, like it
0: should be like close to the 500 million dollar mark worldwide. Um, especially for a big blockbuster like this. Um, I feel like the release time was probably. Tad bit too early I think it should have Released closer to When like Oppenheimer You know released uh, Last Thursday I think it sh- could Could
1: you be competing With Barbie Oppenheimer Yeah though? but the Sounds. thing
0: is like It's school holidays So these guys were like Two weeks out of school holidays I think it would have really benefited if they had released right at the school holidays time, so it might have hurt its um, box office intake. Especially, in this I wonder opening.
1: if you want to go against those though. It is kind of. I think I, you I, do. Really?
0: I think you do because there's more yeah. opportunities for like parents to be going out and doing their kind of stuff and seeing stuff like Mission Impossible. Um, but some of blockbuster releases are, are supposed to be on the same time as school holidays, so. I think that might have hurt a little bit, um, but it also it might be sort of dragging a little bit of um, fatigue. Perhaps you know, maybe people are a little bit fatigued from Tom Cruise. He released a big film last year, Top Gun. Not last year, though. It's a year ago. It was a it year ago. Longer. But there, there was my impression is that there always seems to be this kind of strange, um, this strange hate towards Tom Cruise. And every time I ask Tom Cruise haters like, "Why do you hate him?" It's like, "Oh, I just don't like him." Is it the
1: Scientology <laughs> thing that
0: people hate about it? I don't think it is. I don't think that ever really comes up in the conversation. I think it's quite separate to what people people's opinion is for Scientology. But I think mm-hmm. it's more just – people just don't have a reason. Like, I asked them, like, what is – what? give me a good reason why you don't like Tom, Tom Cruise. And usually it's just like, I just don't like him. He's just annoying. It's like, okay. I'm not going to take like, that opinion seriously. People just go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just annoying. I,
1: I, I don't dislike him. I, I think I've liked him in almost everything I've ever seen him in. Hmm. If I had to think, it would be like because he comes across as like a weird, intense guy, right?
0: Hmm. Like yeah.
1: um, the whole jumping on the couch. I don't know, know the if
0: it's weird. Don't know if he's jumping weird. on the couch thing. Yeah, sure, but like.
1: Which- I don't even think it's that big a deal. I've right? jumped but on the couch like, when I was a kid. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, but he was, he was an you know, old dude.
0: Yeah, but, but if I was excited about something in my adult years, I'd jump on the couch as well. I don't think that's an odd thing. I don't even know what the context yeah, but- of the jumping on the couch thing is either.
1: I think he was, like, in love, and he jumped. Sure. In any case, like, we're just try- I'm trying to put, like, an opinion You're just trying in
0: the to- math. You're <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be a devil's advocate. Um, I'm just
1: trying to explain uh, what people might be saying. I don't think uh, – I consider like, I don't dislike him. I think he's been great in everything I've ever seen. Oh, no, everything? I don't know. It's probably not correct, but a lot of – I can think of a lot of great Tom Cruise performances. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think he's great. I think he's really good. Um, So the Rotten Tomato score is a whopping 96% from the critics and 94% from the audience. So um, it's, either, it's neither – here or there, I guess it's right about the it same. It's actually
1: kind of funny with Rotten Tomatoes, right? I've actually started to think about this and I'm not sure if I'm correct or if my thought has any merit. I don't know if this is now the time to share it, but I want to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> do you find it weirdly inaccurate that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't track scores? It tracks uh, just overall opinion, right? Like, so mm-hmm. the 94%, that means 94% of critics had a positive view towards this film. Mm-hmm. It, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Which means if 94% of critics gave this film a 6 out of 10, it would still be 94%.
0: Um, I don't think it has that. I think there's an aggregate scoring to it. Um, so I think the aggregate scoring is based on s- some kind of average across those individual ratings.
1: But isn't On Tomorrow it's literally fresh or, or or bust or whatever? Like yeah, like yeah but, but,
0: but that, yeah, it's well I think it is binary but but the binary part the binary calculation I would assume is some kind of aggregate system who knows what the aggregate system is I'm just led yeah. to believe that it's um it it's trying to average out every single score in some way um but the the only, the the only thing that's annoying about Rotten tomatoes the system is that it, it the fact that it's binary it's like fresh or rotten, so if it's like if the vast majority of them said six out of ten, like ninety six percent, and said six out of ten, yeah, it'll be a rotten. <laughs> it'll be a Wouldn't rotten. It? Yeah, yeah, because I think it's like sixty and below. Um, okay, well, let's say
1: six point five out of ten, just for the sake of argument. Yes, okay, so the, what the, I'm trying to say, saying... fresh,
0: like like anything that's above sixty is fresh, or maybe fifty. I think it's sixty though. Yeah, okay, because yeah. I wasn't aware of like there being like like a, a formula involved.
1: My understanding was that it was purely like just yes or no, yes or no, yes or no, and it's a percentage of who says yes.
0: I mean, it, essentially, it is a yes or no kind of thing, but um, I would like to believe that there is some kind of average aggregate to it.
1: I don't yeah, know how that works it's... out, but. I was just going to say, like, I would. It would make me distrust rotten tomatoes a little bit because it, it kind of over-indexes on family-friendly slash mass-friendly films, yeah. right? Yeah. Rather than anything that's truly, I'm not, not going to say artistic, but truly like just like like a great film who might be divisive would not fare as well as say Avengers. And yeah, I think that's, that's potentially inaccurate. Anyway, um, yeah.
0: Okay, so the just a little bit on the plot, the synopsis for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Ethan Hunt and his IMF, IMF is impossible mission force, for those of you don't know what IMF is, <laughs> uh, team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Um, pretty thin story, I guess. I mean, plot, I, I got that from the most updated IMDB, <laughs> which, um, uh, yeah, I guess it's, straightforward the consensus for this on rotten tomatoes is that with the world-threatening uh, stakes and epic set pieces to match the massive title mission impossible Dead reckoning part one proves that uh, proves this is still a franchise you could choose to accept um i'd, 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 I'd agree with that i think
1: i mean that's a pretty vague statement <laughs> <laughs> it's a film yeah. that you can choose to accept uh.
0: <laughs> Yeah, because like, like obviously, it's that's trying really to low bar. It's trying to. Well, it's trying to, oh, it's trying trying to make fun of the whole the mission of thing. the whole mission thing because that's what he does. That's what Ethan Hunt does. But yeah, then, yeah, right. But then mission. the irony is that um, he accepts the mission whether the mission fails or not. So
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, in hindsight, so, like I was just thinking about it as words. And I'm like, well, that's a really low bar. It's a movie you can choose. Yeah, to accept I don't think that
0: was the it's correct easy. consensus to use for a something it's that's a like ninety six percent.
1: I missed it. I missed
0: it. it no, happened. no, no. But, like, it's kind of true, though. Like, for 96%, they chose that the consensus is going to be there's a franchise you choose to accept. It's like, well, he he accepts, like, missions that he fails as well. So this That's could... It. Yeah. Yes. Particular.
1: I mean, no, but you accept it to to start the job. It doesn't imply that you must finish it successfully.
0: I guess this implies that the film you don't have to successfully finish. You just <laughs> accept it. <laughs> but Like, I guess, interesting...
1: Um, the impossible, impossible, impossible Mission Force, right? <laughs> impossible Mission Force. <laughs> that's the name from the first one, right? Because that's a terrible name. I feel like that's a terrible name, and they've just been stuck with it because of, like, some writing Any, decision 20 years ago.
0: Impossible Mission Force, yeah. Like, yeah. What's
1: we are the Impossible Mission Force. We're I, here for I Impossible th- Mission.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's got something to do with um, just not wanting to call the – the company Mission Impossible, because it might be a little bit too on the nose, but then it doesn't actually improve itself when it's called it's not <laughs>
1: that off the nose.
0: <laughs> Impossible Mission. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit odd eh, when I first watched Mission Impossible. like, did they seriously call...
1: That's the first what? one, right? Like, they call it that in the first one? I actually don't recall. Yeah,
0: I think so. It, yeah.
1: It just feels like, yeah. That mission has been in this fourth for a long time. Because you between... know, this is
0: like the... Essentially, it's kind of like the rivalry to um, James Bond films, like 007 films, because... The My agents, agency. the agency that they have in Mission in James Bond is, which is also in the Mission Impossible franchise, is uh, MI6.
1: Yeah, this this reminds me of like I actually had a f- like overall consensus, I guess, like it felt like James Bond slash Fast and the Furious type of film, like slash spies. Like it's one of those films which is kind of like the Pierce Brosnan era of of James Bond. Yeah, where a lot of really cool gadgets and there's lots of fun stuff. Um, and it's like kind of just a romp versus like the Daniel Craig, like super serious, just mainly guns era.
0: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, all right. So real quick, some impressions, key highlights, lowlights, performances, direction, all that, all that stuff.
1: I went first. So you should
0: go first. I should go first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but before I go first, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to uh, Dan Hilson, who's in the comment section, just trolling us. <laughs> who's Dan? He's uh, one of my best mates who lives over in uh, London at the moment, so shout-out to that guy. What do you saying? Tony oh, yeah, He's a gooner, by the way. But, yeah, Dan, hey, oh. like, Tony here, he's a gooner himself as well, but I don't think Tony's a real gooner. Didn't we have that conversation before? <laughs> I mean, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> See, Toji, he ain't a real gooner. He's a plastic gooner. He's a gooner from Wish.
1: Hey, I, I supported him during the Dark Times. I think I've, I've earned my stripes.
0: That's a fair, 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 and real fan. Okay, so first impressions, my king highlights for this. And this is not really indicative of, like, overall score for this film. But my first impression is, like, uh, I didn't love the movie. Wow. Yeah, I do not okay. love it. Because like this, this has to me, this has like really high bar to, to reach, and I don't okay. think this movie quite clears the high bar. I feel like it does the high volt, the high volt. It does the high. Is it called high, pole vault? Yeah, I'm messing up my analogy here. Let me start again. It does the I whole. <laughs> it does the whole pole vault thing. It gets to the bar and it just kind of falls on top of the bar, and doesn't quite land. Yes,
1: it gets close. It, it gets close. Saying.
0: It gets close. Yeah. Um. And I think the high bar for me, like I, I sort of jump between Rogue Nation and, um, well, well what am I am going to say, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation is oh, and, and Ghost Protocol. Between those two, I would say that they are the best and the gold standard Mission Impossible films. Um, so, like, this, this one's good, and I think I, I think I like it a little bit more than Fallout, but I am not too sure. Maybe once we go through the recap i would probably have that a lot more clear in my mind. Like, which one is better between Fallout and um, Dead Reckoning Part One? But Fallout, it's it's kind of the same with Dead Reckoning Part One. I feel kind of the same with both those films. Like, they're okay. They're not. They're not Mission Impossible movies that make me love it. It doesn't have that same fun aspect. Like, I feel mm. like it loses a it loses a little bit of that fun touch that we were so used to, especially from um, Mission Impossible 3 onwards all the way up to Road Nation. Like All three of those films are really, really fun. And I feel like once um, Christopher McQuarrie came into the, the picture, not that he's a bad director, I'm not trying to imply that, I, th- I, th- I think he just introduced this whole serious aspect to it, which feels a lot more like 007 Daniel Craig series, as opposed to Mission Impossible from is a possible three or even the first one. Um, and then four, five and yeah, four and five. So that was kind of my first impression. Now the things that I really like about it are the stunt sequences. that are yeah. all done hundred percent real from Tom Cruise, especially some of the, <clears throat> you know, some of the bigger ones, like the ones that he does, the motorbike, thing. the motorbike thing that he does off the ramp. And it's funny because there was so much, Promotional material about this motorbike, a uh, motorbike uh, ramp jump. That yeah. when I was watching the film, all I could see was the ramp and not the CG cliff. <laughs> is it a CG cliff? Yeah, it's a CG cliff. <laughs> it's not a real cliff. Oh, it's a ramp. Okay. It's a it's a ramp that he uses to go.
1: <laughs> <I> just,
0: <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he actually does it. Like the thing is, like they yeah. they CG. It's a it's a huge ramp they built. Um, and I couldn't help but just see that ramp instead of. The CD cliff. (laughs) Can I ask a weird
1: aside here? Like how much of a kick do you get out of it knowing that Tom Cruise did that?
0: Like how much of a kick do I get out of it? Like how much enjoyment you think I get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, um, I think for this particular movie, if they had just calmed down the promotional material around that stunt, I think I would have appreciated a lot more. Like once it happens, I'm kind of like, okay, it's cool. Like it, it, it should have a lot more impact than it doesn't, and, and I think it's because we were so immersed in the promo. You know, there was all this like yeah. BTS, scene, BTS stuff about it. You know, behind I the scenes all that
1: stuff as well. And like, yeah, it, it was, was just it was really it was awkward.
0: flooded. Like the their socials, like even Paramount Pictures socials were flooded with it. And I was kind of like watching all of them. I was like, oh, this is really impressive. Good on him. And it was the most challenging thing, not the most challenging, but this was the new challenge for him. He's never done anything like this before, so. I appreciate it on that level, but I think if they just had toned down that promotional material, it would have been way better. And I think there would have been a lot more impact behind it. Yeah. like Personally,
1: for me, I don't think it does anything for the film. Like, I think it's, like, cool for Tom. Like, good on you, Tom. Mm. um, But at the same time, I wouldn't think any less of you if you didn't do it.
0: Like, Yeah. It doesn't Um, bother me at all. I don't think that's what they're trying to do either. But, um, yeah, it was kind of cool it was kind of cool, but I I feel like I should have loved that scene a lot more. Um, The train sequences at the end or towards the end were pretty hype. I I kind of like those. Um, I do like the introduction of Haley Atwell. I think she's a great addition to Mission Impossible. She feels like she fits in well. And I want to, obviously we're going to see her in part two. Um, But I like, I I think her being a part of these kind of big scale action films is really fun. Um, The Mm. writing in this seems, um, seems like, and, and, and again, this is like a problem with seeing behind the scenes, uh, because I knew this going into the film, and I think it influenced my viewing a little bit, is that the writing for this seems so paper thin. Oh, man. Okay, cool. I'm happy you did that. Yeah, super paper thin. And I had watched an interview with uh, Christopher McQuarrie and uh, Tom Cruise, you know, side by side, where they were talking about how they did ad hoc um, scripting. You know, so they'll film and they won't really have a script. They'll just kind of roll with what the characters would naturally say in those sequences. And I'm kind of like, oh, my God. No wonder <laughs> <The> about <laughs> what? Yeah, like I, the Yeah, like when I was watching the film, I was like, man, why does the script feel so flat? Like it feels so flat and like there's not a lot of energy or – like he, like this, the dialogue between some of the characters didn't seem like the stakes were very high. I was just, I was kind of like a little bit lost. And then when I saw the interview, I was like, oh gosh, that really impacts the quality of the film.
1: Were well, they trying to like like a, like a Rick and Morty um, television episode, but in a
0: film? Maybe I'm not familiar with Rick and Morty that much, so I can't really quote. Uh,
1: apparently, some episodes where they just watch TV for twenty minutes and the entire thing is entirely improved.
0: Right. I think that's kind of what they did here. I don't know if they did it for every single dialogue sequences, but, it, but again, like I saw Simon Pegg in his interview, and he said he kind of did some, the same thing as well. They showed up one day, and um, Chris didn't have a script for them, and they were like, oh, just just, just go with it. Like, you know, we don't have a script. We, this is the scene that we've written out, and we'll see how your characters uh, adapt to it. Mm. So I think that kind of hurts it a little bit. Yeah. Um, CG is great in this, uh, whatever the CG. What CG is. Hmm?
1: Well, what part's the CG?
0: Um, I can't even tell. Like, all the car chase sequences, like, a lot of that CG, especially when you they're going it? through a... Yeah, yeah. They, they're going through, like, a swarm of cars, they're all CG. Um, oh, I wasn't aware of that.
1: Okay, the CG is great.
0: I couldn't even tell. Yeah. The train sequences, you know, a lot of that's CG. Um, oh. that CG, but that that gets a little bit sort of fake and boring. It kind of looks why a little the bit. So high? Yeah. A CG, why is the budget so high? a why is <laughs> the budget so high? to all the actors. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was kind of like my 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 first sort of takeaway, and I think the direction is fine. Like it's it's no different to what we get from Chris, Chris McQuarrie in Fallout. I think it's um as lit. It's it's easy linear storytelling and direction. Mm. So that's well, kind actually, of all I have for that.
1: I'm not sure I would agree with that last point. Like linear, it kind of goes all over the place in my opinion, but. Mm, okay. Um, okay, I'll jump in. Jump oh, on. unless no, no, you No, okay. Jump I'll I'm going to jump in. All right. So I'm going to start with highlights. I am a, a notoriously negative guy sometimes, and I am going to be yet again. Um, <laughs> with the highlights, I thought, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Esai Morales, Gabriel. I thought he was cool. He did a good job at being, like, menacing. Um, He felt like a very dangerous guy. So I, and he's, like, sort of suave, charming. He felt like a good counterpoint to Ethan in the way that I just bought him as a threat. I thought he did a really good job with that. I really liked him. Um, Yeah, you're right. Hayley Atwell was a good um, addition. I kind of get annoyed by the trope of, like, really quite talented, slightly heroic, but actually 80% of the time you see them, they're not heroic at all orphan who's had a hard life who who joins these things. Like it's a pretty common trope. Mm-hmm. And her being like very self centered for most of the film is annoying but understandable. Mm. Like in the plot it makes sense, but it's just like you are the cause of all the problems all the time. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um I shouldn't have gone negative straight away. I like seeing Ving rames there. I like seeing Simon Pegg. They were fun. Um Simon Pegg was pretty much the entire comedy in the film and I think the film needed more of that. Mm. Um I think one of the, like, uh the, the quintessential Mission Impossible things is, like, the fact that they constantly swerve you, and I feel like this movie does a good job of swerving you, like, I didn't expect the buyer to be America, I didn't expect a bunch of things to happen, sometimes it's too much where it, like, doesn't actually make sense, it happens in this movie, I feel like, like. Um, America being the buyer just doesn't really make a lot of sense in my opinion
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but hey, okay, let's talk about some bad stuff I, oh actually no, second good thing I watched this film in 4DX, have you ever done a 4DX no film way. before? I hate that place
0: <laughs> man <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: crazy so, anyone oh, who doesn't know terrible. what it is you're in it. a chair that moves they spray water on you when there's water there so they blow smoke around it makes smoke. the experience worse and like, so I was into it, and like every time something happened, I couldn't help but laugh. So I was just like, "Oh, I'm getting <laughs> thrown around." Cold. And then, did you freeze? Mm. No, 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 no. I was, I was rugged up, but like the car chase scene, right? Mm. It's a solid like twenty minutes. It feels like forty in forty x. Mm. Like you're just getting jerked about every yeah. crash. The chair awful. like swings you. Um, so it's fun. I actually do recommend someone try it once. I probably wouldn't do it again, but it's just a fun little experience, especially in a movie like this. Like if you watch like um like Pride and Prejudice in 40X, I don't think it would be that great. But this movie, I reckon Meg 2 would be great to watch in 40X. Not that I will, but... I don't
0: think you know. will ever watch Meg 2. <laughs>
1: yeah, like there's sort of two no's in that, in that thing. Anyway, highlights. Low lights. Um, oh, it sounds like there's a lot. I mean, it's not it's not crazy. I just felt like the general premise was kind of silly. This concept of, like, the entity, and it sees the future. Yeah, like, and it's, like, kind of, like, predicting what people do, and then it kind of just kind of works out the way it should, but doesn't also. Like, Gabriel is very, very confident, but things work out differently all the time. Like, their plan kind of works. <laughs> um, and just this whole idea of, like, maybe this is just kind of nitpicking at clouds now, like just the entity is this secret thing that's going to take over mm-hmm. and um, you need, like, a key to unlock it and the, the unlock is in the middle of a submarine. I, I can sort of see what next movie's heist is going to be and it sounds like it's going to be a bit dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Pom Clemente as Paris, right? This is going to... I should probably should say this as a recap, but I find it silly that she's like this a weirdly-dressed assassin who should be very, very good at fighting, but the first time you see her, she's in a two-on-one situation with Ethan Hunt inside of a narrow alleyway, and she loses badly. (laughs) So I can't take her seriously after that. And then she doesn't really ever do anything noteworthy after that. She just, like, beats up two random guards and then gets killed by... I don't know, spoiler alert. Um, Yeah, I mean... (sighs) One thing, and the last thing I probably want to talk about before we get into the recap, because then I'm taking a long time, is the dialogue. You hit it on the head. I thought it was very wooden. Like, so you said it was, like, really, really thin. I felt like the dialogue seemed to just, like, regress to the most cliched action movie statements <laughs> that are possible. And I don't have any examples, mm. but, like, it just felt like very 80s dialogue. Like, hmm, I, I can, I, I promise that I'll protect you more than me. Oh, like even that wasn't even the worst one. Like, there was just, it just, it felt like one-liners, but not funny one-liners, just like one-liners. Mm. Um, and that was probably my biggest issue with the film, just the dialogue.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Well, let's get into the recap. Um, we're going to change the format on the recap a little bit. Well, again, no, <laughs> I would like it as in, you know, we, we're going to do it the same way that we did last time, which I go through the entire yeah. act one and then we sort of uh, jump in. But if, if there's something that does come up while I'm reading the re, um, the entire act, yeah. then by all means, jump in if you really want to. If you're really like, oh my god, no, I, I want to talk about this scene. Because I actually might do something like that as well.
1: <laughs> no, you're free to. I'm happy with this process. So you know what? It gets the time to a manageable level.
0: For those of you who have never been been... For those of you who have never visited the, the Jekyll podcast, um, our recap is basically us walking through the entire synopsis or the entire plot of the film, uh, where it's our chance to interject and dissect some things that we may or may not agree with um, of our previous uh, opinions, if, if we did have any opinions on that. Um, by the end of the recap, the goal is to see the film see the whole movie in sort of 4D <laughs> 4DX uh, type way or a 3D way so that we can uh, come to a good conclusion on what we think this movie is out of 10 so starting off with Act 1 I'm just going to do our awesome transition here Oof! so nice such a good transition um okay, so act one, we begin with um learning about the next generation Russian submarine called Sevast- Sevastopol? Sevastopol? Sevastopol. Sevastopol. Yeah. That's pretty good, eh? Um employs in advanced AI testing AI for testing new navigation system that uses dead reckoning. The AI tricks the crew into firing a torpedo and then turns the torpedo back on the submarine, sinking it and killing it all on board. Okay, wait, just real quickly. I don't want to like stay mm. on this too long, but I just want to jump in here real quickly. When this movie opens up with AI and that's – I knew immediately this is going to be like the villain of the, the film, but I was kind of like, oh, I think this is going to turn out to be a pretty boring antagonist or villain if you want to call the AI the villain. Mm. And the reason why it's going to turn out to be a little bit boring because there hasn't been one film – That has successfully pulled off a AI villain. Maybe with the exceptions with like Terminator Two, if you want to call that AI. Yeah, Terminator Terminator Terminator
1: Three though. Three is definitely more AI.
0: I guess so, but like the concept that they use, the how they use the concept of AI as the villain is still through like physical embodiments of the villain right? Mm. Whereas the physical embodiment of this is not really physical embodiment. It's just people that are maybe trying to harness AI. Um, yeah. But AI itself is supposed to be the glooming enemy. At least that's kind of the impression that I get from this is like, by the end of it, you're supposed to think that AI is the real threat um, that's going to take down the world. And I just don't feel like it's a real threat at all. I actually don't feel like any of the stakes that they introduced with us with AI being the main thing doesn't feel mm. threatening at all. And I think it's because they just don't know how to handle AI as a villain. And I think they need to learn a little bit, some a little bit from things like Terminator 2 or, you know, just, just take some of those plays out of there. You know, you don't have to take the whole playbook, but just take some of the plays from the James Cameron playbook um, and do something with it. Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know if you want to like turn it into a robot or anything, and that ends up killing everybody. But yeah. It, it just doesn't I, feel I, I know what they're trying to do they're trying to make it as if like this is going to be really threatening and get out get under your skin because we can't control it and all that kind of stuff but the problem with that is that we don't know what ai can do and if yeah. we don't have anything that like, sort of connects us to that we're not gonna like i feel emotionally detached from this idea of being like the ai being the threat um, Wait,
1: don't you see uh, it pretend to be Simon Pegg and, and tell Ethan to go in the wrong direction and then it's making people disappear from like security cameras and yeah. you're finding it the same that like, it can control what people problem, think it's real?
0: Yeah, but the problem that I have with that is that I don't see the difference. Well, I can't differentiate that from like being possessed by ghosts. <laughs> or, like, it just... Like, there's the entity... Is as invisible as the feeling is for it. <laughs> it's like even though yeah. it's it's I, I I see them making attempts to, and it's kind of cool. It's a little bit thrilling, but it just doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't land it like it, it. I feel like they needed to elaborate a little bit more, and I think this is where some clever scripting could have come into play. I don't know what the yeah. kind of clever scripting you could have had for that, but. I'm sure there's some intelligent people like Aaron Sorkin who can pull off like an amazing script for something like AI.
1: Yeah. I felt like I wished, and I, I don't want to do this too much like the talking in between, but like, I, I wished that they showed more of the AI doing more like sort of macro things to show its power. Yeah. Like you only ever yeah. see it destroy a single submarine and then you see it mess with um, Tom Cruise yeah. a bunch. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right? And, and, you never, and, yeah, you're, you're probably right mean, about
1: that. It, like, I, I don't know the power that it has because all it can do is, like, very vaguely, like, change certain things. But, I mean, like, Ving Rhames does it, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know how he makes um, a bunch of people look like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. on the security cameras? So, he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the AI doing that so special? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, um, and, and maybe you've sort of nailed it a little bit there. And I do want to sort of... uh. Maybe maybe we we'll revolve the the recap around like how do we figure out how to have a better AI script or AI villain for this film? But you, you hit yeah. it on the nail a little bit by saying that like even guys like the AI can do exactly what Ving Rhames and um, and Benji can do, except maybe on a on a more sophisticated level. But it doesn't it, it doesn't make me think that. Benji and Ving Rhames' character could catch up to what AI can do Maybe they're just always a little bit behind, like a couple of steps behind. But Yeah, but like, perhaps was, like... Yeah, sorry, you go.
1: I just found it annoying that like Ving Rhames can make this Arabian dude look a lot like Tom Cruise pretty perfectly, mm-hmm. whereas the AI makes Gabriel disappear with a lot of artifacts. Yeah. Like
0: (laughs) it didn't look better. It didn't look better. Like it's sort of smudged in like the security cameras and all that kind of stuff. It's moving squares. Yeah. Moving squares. Yeah. It just
1: didn't look impressive. Yeah. And maybe that's
0: because it couldn't like, it didn't tell me that it was like leaps and bounds ahead of like our, main characters that we follow right and so mm. maybe that's where the issue was like i think about movies like uh, eagle eye i don't know if you've seen eagle eye yeah i remember that you know that, i didn't like it that, but i remember but, it but that was all ai tech as a villain essentially mm. you know like um ai infiltrating the entire security systems of the world that felt like more that felt more threatened like i don't really like the movie that much i don't think it's that great but mm. they did a better job at Presenting a sense of threat compared to what they do with Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Yeah,
1: I wish they did like like maybe some you know Arabian company uh, country president or something gets like some doctored report that just seems super real, mm. and then they like I don't know they want to they're not going to launch a nuke like yeah. you don't want to make it like something that's going to be a well, world ending event.
0: But, I, th- I think they yeah. can really like kill it with an AI villain, and I think they just take all the good aspects of Eagle Eye. Terminator 2 and then they bring it together in Mission Impossible Fashion, I think they'll be able to kill it. But just with this one, I was kinda like it's not it's not landing. Yeah. It's just not landing. When
1: you see when you start the film, America's already doing countermeasures. So like it doesn't make sense for the AI to beat those countermeasures unless right. it does, which yeah. is really cool. But they, it doesn't, right? Like, mm. you know how there's like a room where they're um are analoguing all of their data, like all these writers. And then there's also a room that's like, oh, this is a CRT screen from libraries from like 1975. (laughs) You never see that room again. Like you don't know what's the point of that. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to see the AI do something cool or the AI like beat their defenses But to to come in with them already having defenses set up just kind of limited the impact a lot in my eyes.
0: That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's move forward with uh, the recap on Act One. IMF agent Ethan Hunt is assigned to retrieve half of a crew cruciform key. Yeah. You cruciform key from Isla Faust, whom the IMF has placed a bounty. He travels to Saudi Arabia to obtain the half key from Isla. He then infiltrates a meeting of leaders of the U.S. intelligence committee. In Washington DC, including CIA Director Eugene Kittredge and Director of of National National Intelligence, Dellinger, to discuss the rogue AI, calling it the entity. They recount how it has achieved uh, sentience and infiltrated the major defense. Oh man, I got a lot to say about this, by the way. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm just going to yeah. keep going.
1: You should stop at the end of every paragraph.
0: Yeah, Yeah, true. Infiltrated the major defense, uh, military systems, intelligence, and financial networks of the world. World powers compete to obtain the key to protect their national security and control the entity, though the exact means of controlling it are unknown. Believing the entity poses too great a threat to humanity, Ethan seeks uh, seeks to destroy it. He and his teammates, Benji Dunn and Luther Sticknell, travel to Abu Dhabi International Airport to intercept the holder of the other half of the key. Ethan evades a U.S. agent as well as Gabriel, an entity liaison with ties to Ethan's pre-IMF past, while the half-key is stolen by a professional thief named Grace. Luther identifies a suspicious piece of baggage... Benji finds what happens, uh, what appears to be a nuclear explosive, but finds it empty. After narrowly defusing it, Ethan pursues uh, Grace to Rome. After a lengthy chase, Grace escapes again, while Ethan reunites with Benji, Luther, and wow. Isla. All right, so that's the f- that's the Act One. Now, a few things I wanted to actually mention when I sort of paused before. That's a long act,
1: by the that way. That is a long like, act. Like the yeah. entire car chase happens in that in that last sentence.
0: In uh, this last part. Yeah. Wait, no.
1: Because look, they, they they outside of Act Two, they go they go to the party. That's after the car chase.
0: Oh, maybe it's sort of missing between Act One and Two. The car chase. No, 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 right.
1: after a lengthy chase.
0: Oh, yeah, This says it in the sentence. Yeah, All but right. it's
1: a solid like. That's a solid like hour and a bit of the film, I think.
0: Yeah, I I was, I I thought the uh, airport scene was less than an hour into the film. Hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's airport scene, then car chase scene. Because oh, you've got right. that car chase That car chase scene is probably like 20, 25
0: minutes, right? right. Okay. Well, we'll get into that for sure then. But, oh, yeah, um, so when I paused before, is was like, because I wanted, I wanted to talk you more about The about info whole... dump? What?
1: <laughs> the info dump?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, discussing like the rogue, rogue AI. Like it's telling us that it's infiltrated all these defense systems, military systems, and networks of the world. This is this is where that problem is. Like, okay, I think it does tell us that it's doing all this infiltration. It's built sentience. Like, explain how it's built its sentience. Like, for some reason, it's just managed to build sentience. We don't know how, and we're just su- supposed to accept that it's become a sentient, like entity and or I something. You you find it out in the
1: end, but it's a pretty hokey statement, I think. And and like,
0: just really, so what that, is I mean, What's their explanation? To... Yes,
1: yeah, so, I think apparently. They put the um, AI into the submarine, right? The Russian sub. And the Russian sub had, like, some tech in there. And so the Russian sub tech and the American AI tech got together and made the sentient AI, (laughs) which then decided to destroy the sub. And that's why, because I I was asking my friend after this, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if the AI's... If, if the Americans created the AI, why is the source code in the sub? Shouldn't it be in some sort of lab somewhere in America? Because they made it, right? And apparently he was saying, and, you know, this could be dumb. When it met the Russian tech and joined together, that's what creates the sentient version. So the source code of the sentient AI is actually in the sub. <laughs> Checks out, but you've got to do a lot of logical leaps to get there. Uh, and I think maybe it's clear in the in the film, but I, it wasn't to me.
0: I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I buy that because, again, they're just kind of giving us verbal explanations as to how it does that. It doesn't, like, at, at no point do we see, like, the source code trying to, like, learn certain things. We're just assuming that it's learning things, right? You're coming in halfway through.
1: Like, yeah. the, the source
0: code is immediately doing some damage. The mm. Americans are already aware of it.
1: Like, it, it's kind of... And one thing I want to talk about this info dump, by the way. One, it's a shitty way. Like, I know these spy films do it like this, so I can't blame it too much. But it's a shitty way to share information. Two, like they're like, "Oh, it's in, it's, it's infiltrated all these defense systems," and it's like, "What has it done? It's done nothing, but it left a message. It's got to come back." And I'm just like, you can't treat it like it's a. Like, it's a per like, it goes from
0: like robot to person, like, straight away. Yeah. Yeah. It's too yeah. much of a leap. Like, like the fact that they said, oh, it's, it's, it's learned all this stuff and now it's become sentience or it's built sentience. It's like, what? How? I don't even know how that, yeah. like, it's, it's managed to do that. And so you're essentially replacing a human being, right? That would normally be a villain in these types of situations with a computer that has a mind of its own that can do whatever is seemingly um, omniscient, right? And yeah, undefeatable. So, and like you
1: but... can see the future, but also, Ethan's like, you know, the entity is <laughs> afraid, it knows that I can do this. I'm just like, so, uh, how do you oh, <laughs> human or an AI? Like, and I understand, like, maybe, maybe they are, yeah, humans, but like, it just doesn't make sense,
0: yeah. It just doesn't, th- and, and that's why I was kind of like, oh man, um, if this movie is going to be about this, if they don't establish, like, I was thinking at, i was thinking straight away like if they don't establish how this ai can be real threatening and have a really good connection write it in somehow then i think this movie is gonna fail a little bit on that front because mm. this movie is kind of predicated on it a lot it, it doesn't do the same kind of mission gadgety cool strategy stuff that we're used to in mission impossible films it doesn't do that it all relies on like them just just kind of ad hoc the the mission to try and defeat the ai i
1: I kind of remember like and i was complaining about this to my friend and like i'm probably we're front-loading a lot of our opinions here Hmm. into the first act of this film but like i remember mission impossible one being like these really intelligent double crosses yeah right like you see like this guy does a thing but oh no he actually was wearing some other guy's face oh no um he knew that he was wearing another guy's face and he was like lying to him on purpose. And he actually had it hidden inside a vault, but Oh, the vault is like in the ground and it's actually, he built a tunnel under it. Now it's his vault. Like <laughs> you get all that kind of stuff and it's cool. Whereas I find in this movie, it's yeah, super ad hoc. People are just figuring shit out the entire time. And also 90% of the momentum swings is purely pickpocketing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like Grace stole something, or she put it somewhere, or Ethan stole something, or he put it somewhere. Yeah, that's Like right. it's not very cool when it's just the person who should have it for storyline reasons has the key now.
0: Yeah, and and this yeah. is a character. This is uh, a character I actually want to talk about a little bit more as well. Once we unfold her in the recap, is the Atwell's character of her being a pickpocketer. I'm kind of like not really on board with it, but um, oh. I'll explain a little bit more about my opinion as we go through the recap. One one
1: thing one thing I want to add about Act One, I thought the plane, the airport scene was fun. Like I think these movies, you know, you, you spend a lot of time doing kind of minute things. But I thought the the airport scene, like you had uh Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell, they had cool chemistry. Um it felt like there was urgency there. You had the bomb, you had Simon Pegg dealing with the bomb, mm. you had Simon Pegg like like Actually, one thing I'm kind of curious about, like, why is the AI just having fun with with Simon Pegg? Like, I I never understood that.
0: This is one of the issues I have with the movie. (laughs) You
1: know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, it's asking him riddles, and it's freaking him out,
0: and... Even though he solves it by the end of it, but, but none of that, like, tense moment, like, that leads nowhere. Like you, would, you, would, you would think that, like, if it was a normal villain, right, that mm. that normal villain would probably do something similar to the other characters and also more to Benji as well. Uh, and Benji, yeah. Benji is the only one that's kind of a talking pole for the kind of threat that the AI is because he says, oh, the, the AI knows me. Like, it, it knows these things about me, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of carries that dialogue with him a little bit throughout the film um, to kind of remind you that the AI can do that kind of stuff, but it doesn't act on it it just talks about it through kind of poor dialogue
1: and i feel like luther says the point like this is a psycho test like a psychometric test that the ai can learn more about you Mm. and i'm like cool you should do something
0: with this knowledge ai
1: but it doesn't (laughs) doesn't,
0: it literally literally just does that one scene which is kind of cool like and, and, and i agree with you this airport scene is actually probably my favorite scene in the entire movie because yep. there's, there's good culmination that happens there. There's a lot of tense moments between all the main characters and all the characters in the film are all in that one sequence. That's yep. the only scene that we see all of them together, like including the bad guys and obviously the AI thing. It's the most entertaining and it's also the most mission impossible scene that we've had in the entire film. Like, I don't know, like what you said, we're front loading in this one act, but Maybe it deserves it because I feel like the airport scene is the most Mission impossible stuff we have. <laughs> everything else just everything else yeah. just kind of feels I hate to say it, but like James Bondy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think James Bondy is a bad thing. It's not a bad yeah. thing, but the thing is like like that that two competing rivals like the competing rivals. They're two rivals of a similar franchise. That's like yeah. you go to the like if you if you want to watch the americans do james bond stuff you watch mission impossible if you want to do see the british people do it you watch 007 that's kind of like how it is um even though they kind of cross paths in terms of like the organizations but i just felt like it, there wasn't enough of that mission impossible stuff throughout the rest no, of No i i do i think i think in act 1 this
1: airport scene is like you know you've got benji doing his his thing which is fun and it's kind of fun watching like like there's, there's a lot of comedy in this scene as well where they're trying to hide it from the Tom Cruise character. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like just, it's a pretty cerebral scene, right? Like she steals it, he loses it. He has to go find her. They find details on her. Um, they try and put it back, but the guy's dead. Like it is very mission impossibly. Whereas I feel like the, um, the train scene and I'm not sure if there even is another action scene. There probably is. Oh yeah. In, in Venice. <laughs> I find, like, the other scenes are just straight-up action. It's not Mission Impossible, like, Deceit and Double Crosses and making you think. It's just straight-up action sequences. And that's, like, not even spy genre for me. That's Indiana Jones-esque, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And and that's it. Like, it's not really, like, spy thriller anymore. It's just action sequences. And I'm not – obviously, I'm not opposed to the action sequences, but there's a lead-up to those action sequences once we go through the spy thriller stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But anyway, anyway, we should move on to Act 2. So Act 2, with Benji and Luther providing support, Ethan and Isla infiltrate a party held by the arms dealer Alana Mistopolis in Venice, hoping to find who hired Grace and learn of the key's key's purpose. Grace encounters Gabriel and learns that Alana hired hired her to steal the half key. Ethan unsuccessfully attempts a dissuade... uh, Attempts... To dissuade a fearful Alana from se- selling it, Gabriel reveals that the entity has infiltrated the party and determined that one of Ethan's allies, either Isla or Grace, will die. They all scatter afterward. Afterward, Isla. Wait, okay. They all scatter afterward with Ethan subduing but sp- sparing Gabriel's subordinate Paris while Gabriel subdues Grace and kills Isla. A remorseful Grace joins Ethan's team and they prepare to board the Innsbruck-bound Orient Express. Is that really what they call it? I don't even remember them calling it anything. They call it the Orient Express. Okay. I don't know about the innsbruck part. Where Alana will meet with her buyer. luther leaves for an off-grid location to investigate isolated traces of the entity in his hard drive warning ethan not to kill gabriel out of vengeance as only gabriel knows how to use the key okay but before we jump into act two um Mm. should we talk about the chase sequence for for a bit the whole chasing is with both of them handcuffed um Oh yeah, the car the car chase scene, yeah, the car chase sure. scene, car chase that also turns into oh no, it's just the car chase scene. Um, yeah. he gets into the Humvee, not the Humvee, uh, the Mini, the little, little tiny, little, like little, tiny, yeah, car. Mini.
1: That's fun.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, kind of disarms him of what he's used to, you know, with the high gadgety stuff. Um, even though like the little car has a little bit of gadgety stuff with it. Um, yeah, it's got some power. It's got some power. I like the chemistry between the two of them. Um, they connect really, really well. Um, they both had that kind of snarky comedic. Um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, like snarky.
1: There's, there's comedic chemistry there. There's
0: comedic chemistry, but they both have a little bit of a um, smartass like vibe to them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And Haley Howell like wears it really well. Um, now, I do want to want to say that her character. <laughs> Okay, so her character description as a pickpocketer, I think, is the worst character that she could actually play in a film. I just what was that? Well, okay. When you think about the Mission Impossible world, when you think about all these characters that are in it, they all got like these fascinating backgrounds with them. They all got like all these high end skills and tech and intelligence um, and hand to hand combat like gunfights or whatever you know they have all of these types of skills that's that's the mission impossible franchise when they bring a high profile actor well maybe she's not like super high profile but to me she's kind of high profile someone like hayley atwell mm. and they say to her hey we want you to be a part of the mission, Imp- mission impossible franchise did reckoning part one she's like oh cool what's my character you're going to be a pickpocket <laughs>
1: An orphan pickpocketer.
0: <laughs> and that's even worse. <laughs> like, you're going to be an orphan pickpocketer. And they try and, there's an attempt to make her character interesting with layers by saying that she was abandoned, you know, when she was a child. And she's an orphan and she's got, and this is the reason why she is the way she is because she doesn't trust people. And um, now she's built all these skills to sort of get around the world. And there's like an appeal to empathy and sympathy to the character. And I'm kind of like, what? This is not a Mission Impossible character. <laughs> oh right (laughs) i didn't catch that because i don't know mission
1: impossible that well like there is
0: characters in the mission Impossible franchise that has this type of profile like everyone in the franchise
1: they're like ex super skilled people yeah they're
0: they're like well they're all skilled people they all have some interesting that's just the thing it's like you don't bring in a character that is from Oliver Twist. I don't know. Like, like that's just, yeah, that's just I not you mean. the franchise at all. And, and I thought that maybe at some point in the film we're going to learn about, oh, she was, like, she was a Russian spy or something, and she's taken... You yeah, know, I, I thought she was going to have that kind of cool thing.
1: Oh, right. You thought there was going to be an element where you find out she's more than she seems. No,
0: but she's, like, straight up, like, Oliver Twist.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if you ever, Yours actually kind of silly. Oh, I went
0: down... <laughs> in the
1: airport scene... Um, he's like, what's your name? And she says, uh, call me Grace. Yeah. Like, as if it's like a fake name. <laughs> and it's not a fake name. Yeah. That's her name. That's, yeah, she yeah. just has like a weird hesitation before just saying her actual name.
0: Yeah. And, and, and again, I think this is like what we were saying earlier in the podcast. I think this is them just doing ad hoc, like freestyle uh, improvisation with the script because mm. it was because i i'm so glad that you picked that up as well because when she says it and then we found out her name is actually grace was like oh that was weird <laughs> yeah you know, I had that it, was so like, weird. it felt like an obvious fake name it sounds like people okay. are not doing their homework enough in the scripting room and it sure as hell like i think these guys just improv that on the day well,
1: perhaps, actually, let's think about this. Let's try and, like, sort of take it back a little bit. Let's say, for example, she's, like, uh trying to get a fake name and she's, she gives a real name. Like, she's that bad at this spy shit that she couldn't even think of a bad name.
0: But the thing is, like, they write her character as if she's, like, the best pickpocketer in the world. Yeah. Because, you know, she demonstrates it quite a lot. <clears throat> but is she, though? Like, she's got all these, like,
1: uh passports and everyone seems to know about her. Like, Kittridge was like, oh, yeah, her, I know about her.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and this kind of what this is part of the problem that I have with the character because there was the way that they also write the character was that it was quite contrived. It's like anything that she tried to do, like okay, she was really really good at this, and like the best thing that she has to her name is that she can get around the world, sort of unnoticed but kind of noticed by like IMF and MI six and shit like that, mm -hmm. but still get away with like stealing everything from really high profile people. So I'm kind of like, actually, that's the best thing that she can do to. When when, Luther f- when 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 uh, when Ethan
1: first okay Tom Cruise's character first sees her and Ving Rhames goes oh this girl she's got this 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 and this this you only get those titles if you've been caught right so she must have been caught like a thousand times
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah so she's not that great <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's 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 what weird the- right like it's it's such a strange character to like. I guess accept ex- the role, you know, from heavy Outlaws' behalf and like, you know, good on her for accepting role and mission impossible. I just feel like she could have had a way better character. Like, yeah. And, and then, and then the other thing that feeds into the problem of her character is that why in the world does Ethan Hunt think that she's going to be a good candidate for MIF? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah that I makes that. zero sense. <laughs> like what? I feel like, yeah, he just like,
1: and like he kind of felt very strongly for her very quickly, and I don't know if that's like a trait of him.
0: It's a, it like, is a trait of him. Like that's what I'll give him. It's a trait of him. Like and they mention it. Like um, I think it's either Benji. No, I think it's um, Luther. He mentions that every woman, you know, he has that really sincere sequence with Haley Atwell. Like every woman yeah. that enters his life, he he genuinely wants to protect them. You know, and he'll right. he, he fa- he's failed a lot of instances in those missions in the previous films where um it's at the demise of just him wanting to protect the woman that he loves it's a good thing that it's consistent in that respect however um she's there's no credibility around the way the character is written enough for for me to to believe that yeah imf is going to take her serious and do something about it and i know he's probably thinking oh look like you have these set of skills we're gonna build yeah. on those skills later, and we're gonna make you this awesome agent. But then, like, it doesn't make sense because all the other characters all had these skills to start with, and then they built all these crazy skills. Can you imagine so how all the other deals. agents? Yeah, can you imagine how all the other agents, especially Benji? Benji's the kind of character who would probably like have this moment of realization: is like, wait, you pickpocket people, and you got a job in the IMF. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: What does he do? What is his skill? He's like tech guy. Because seems yeah. like tech guy. Well,
0: yeah, and I think this is where it gets a little bit, um, like unclear on what his real skill sets are compared to Luther because I feel like they both do similar things. Except Luther's always been on the field, whereas Benji's always been behind the scenes. He's always been in the office. Like he gets onto the field, uh, yeah. and so, I think it's recognition. Luther seems
1: in this film at least, Luther seems better than Benji. Like that's just the the vibe. That yeah, I love.
0: yeah, and I think it's because. Like, I honestly don't think a lot of these characters have much to do in the film, like, compared to the previous ones. Like, yeah. this is all, like, Hayley Atwell's character and Tom Cruise's character.
1: And Tom Cruise's character, yeah. I felt like he was, like, the other, I, I was excited to see Simon Pegg, and he does, like, a couple of fun things, but he doesn't do a lot.
0: Nah, nah. he doesn't do a lot at all. Yeah. Like, Luther also doesn't really do a lot, but he does more than Benji, <laughs> so.
1: And he just, yeah, and then he leaves, I mean, he c- like, yeah, randomly. Yeah, exactly,
0: he kind of just bounces, so. I get it. Yeah.
1: One thing I did want to talk about actually before we move off Act Two, mm-hmm. this pissed me off in the film. Like, Ilsa is like what MI six, yep. right? She's good at fighting. They're like,
0: was yeah. she? She was like xmi six, and then she keeps coming back into the game. That's her whole thing.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. In any case, right? If you were fighting a guy on a bridge and you had a sword and he had a knife, why are you constantly going for triangle chokes? <laughs> <laughs> like. I- it feels like she should know better than to constantly get in extremely close range yeah i know you know that really i don't know why that pisses me off like it shouldn't i know it's a scripted it's a scripted choreographed fight scene i get it but why not make him do something cool to get close like it felt like she was just giving up her advantage and then he wins rather than he does something to force an advantage. I wanted to um, walk away from that fight scene thinking, "Wow, this guy's badass." Mm. You don't. I, I walk away thinking, "Oh, Ilsa's an idiot." Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of strange. And I was a little bit disappointed in how they finished her character because she's been in this franchise for I think this is the maybe the third film. Yeah, potentially the fourth. I think it's the third though. But the ending to her character, where she just kind of she gets stabbed, right? right. Yeah, just gets killed. Yeah. like stabbed in the stabbed, heart or whatever. Yeah, or like a artery or some shit. Like it, it was just such a disappointing way to end that character. She has such a cool arc to her character that I felt like they just didn't have enough good ideas to end her character.
1: Um, mm.
0: like I was kind of expecting her to die in this film, but just not in that way. Like I was like, ah, oh. the way they handle that character is just not as good as the previous film. So, yeah. Cool. Did you want to say anything else about the car chase or... scene? <laughs> nah,
1: I'm good, I think. <laughs> yeah, good. We're, trying,
0: we're trying to be brief. China, yeah. The car chase scene was like, it was cool. But it didn't make me go, wow, that was the most inspiring car chase scene I've ever seen.
1: To <laughs> be honest, I... And I think I'm probably in the minority here. I don't actually care much for car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. I like, I remember I watched The Italian Job, and there was this other one. It's like, you know, one of the best car chase scenes, you know, ever made type of thing. And I just like... After about five minutes, I'm, I'm,
0: you're I'm good, done. You're good. The car, car chase scene in this film was way too long. Like, yeah. this movie being two hours and 43 minutes, it could have been two hours and 30. Like, just cut 10 minutes of that car chase scene. I feel like yeah. that car chase scene was, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> <was> so long. <laughs> too long, too long.
1: And, like, when I was in the 4D, like, getting thrown around, like, I felt it even more. But, like, mm. it was just long. The thing I about car chase scenes is that, like, when they start generally the person gets away. Yeah. Like it's very rare that the person gets caught. Yeah. Whoever it is, the villain or the hero. Yeah, exactly. So if I know that, and so far I've never been proven wrong, it, it really kills the suspense mm. for me a
0: lot. Yeah, yeah, of course it kills the suspense a little bit. And also like some of the sequences just felt a little too unrealistic, which is, I know that's kind of a big statement to make for a mission impossible film, but like there are certain bounds that they sort of play in when it comes to any kind of filmmaking and action films, they Hmm. establish rules per se for certain scenes. And there was just some, like the way the Humvee was like going through some of the steps. I was like, that's kind of bullshit. Like that wouldn't really happen. (laughs) I actually don't know about that. Like, yeah, it was just, it was just teetering a little bit too much in that area of like unpredictability, but but yeah, that's more of a nitpick. And that nitpick only becomes a um, relevant to me because the, chasing was just too long and it wasn't escalating. It was kind of just chase, 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 chase. It, it wasn't getting
1: chasing, same level. Yeah,
0: it wasn't getting like high stakes or anything at any point. There was no missiles or anything. There were no like grenade launchers. <laughs> like you know, they, they were like there was nothing it was just literally cars going through Rome, is it? Were they in Rome? I think it was Rome. Venice. Oh, Venice, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so Italy anyway, but oh, maybe Rome. Maybe they go to Venice. Oh yeah. Yeah, they go to Venice. Anyway, so like it's just cars going through a city about he's driving forward and
1: then the the cars the, the cop cars coming behind him and he just reverses it's like i
0: don't know <laughs> there's, 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 there's these
1: brakes as well that kind of like drop the tension way down yeah
0: and i was like all right i'm ready to move on from this <laughs> yeah which that. means we will move on to act three oh, okay so on the train gabriel kills the engine crew and destroys the throttle and brake he meets Dillinger, who possesses or who proposes an, an alliance between himself and the entity. Uh, Dillinger, am I even pronouncing that right? Dillinger, Dillinger.
1: I don't remember. Oh, no.
0: Dillinger <laughs> um, explains that the complete key unlocks the chamber housing uh, the computer of the S- Sevastopol, which contains the early version of the entity that can be used to control or destroy it. Gabriel kills Dillinger. Uh, and suspecting Paris will betray him after Ethan spared her in Venice, attempts to kill her as well. Impersonating Alana, Grace brings the complete key to Alana's buyer, revealing to be Kittredge. Though tempted to betray Ethan for $100 million and protection for herself, Grace decides against it, pickpockets the key from Kittredge and flees. Ethan parachutes off a cliff onto the train to save Grace from her pursuers but gabriel acquires the key
1: should we stop here or do you want to just go finish the whole thing yeah
0: let's stop here for a bit
1: i i I need some explanation here i need you to help me out so what was the point of this mission like why does she have to give the key to the buyer but then not give the key to the buyer like i didn't understand what she was doing here what the goal of this was
0: so the whole idea of giving the key to the buyer was to finish that trans. Oh wait, hold on. So I thought
1: it was to find out um, what the key unlocks, but she doesn't do that. Like she doesn't yeah. find out. They don't know. Now. So they she, still don't she's
0: know. on her own mission without telling Ethan. And I'm surprised that Ethan doesn't even pick up on this. He doesn't suspect it. Maybe it's his naivety towards, because he would like to protect women or whatever. Like
1: her mission being the getting the money. Cause she doesn't take it.
0: Yeah her mission was to yeah oh no wait
1: that's the thing right like the the way that it's pitched is like your mission is to go meet the buyer the, the key has to be there for the buyer and like it's kind of implied that like you find out what to do with the key when you meet the buyer but it doesn't happen the buyer never tells and wasn't gonna wait. tell she doesn't even ask the question
0: wait I, I can't even remember what was her whole mission from ethan her whole mission from ethan is know. to go in there Pretend to be the White Widow and sell to the the buyer, right? Sell to the buyer. And then what? Wait, I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember. Because the whole point was to get the key to find out what it unlocks. Because they still don't find out. Because they're assuming that
1: the buyer knows what the key does.
0: Yeah. But, like... And then once they find that out, then they can all locate where the... Whatever it is, like, whatever that unlocks locate where it is, which they eventually accomplish by the end of the film.
1: Yeah, but it's, like, pure luck that they get that.
0: Uh, Yeah. Man, why does it feel so messy in my head? I don't know why. Because, like, Like, she she's (laughs) going to get the money,
1: right, and sell the key. Yeah. And she ends up saying no.
0: Yeah. Because she finds a – she sees an opportune moment where she can actually, like – solve her biggest issue right now, which is, like, not being chased forever and ever, you know. Um, like if she,
1: you know you know what, like, okay, I'm going to try and rewrite this movie a bit. If she said no, right, and then she said, look, I don't need the money, I just need to know, what does this unlock? And he's like, you've given this to me for free, I will tell you. And he tells her the answer, and then she steals it back. That way, you don't need a dying Paris to, to spill the beans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie makes a lot of sense because they successfully pull off this mission. True. Whereas like the way it goes now, I don't understand. Like there is no reason for her to be in there. No. Cause yeah. they don't learn about what the key does.
0: Well, they don't, they learn about it by the end because she tells Because Paris
1: tells them, which hmm. honestly, if, if she never put on Alana's face, That would have happened regardless. True. That whole series would have happened because he would have met Denlinger, he would have attempted to kill her, and she would have, you know, told them. I don't know. Anyway, so I didn't understand the entire purpose of the mission. It didn't make sense to me. Mm. And I wanted to sort of mention that. I felt like it's kind of funny. It is classic Mission Impossible to find out that the American top guy was actually the one behind the whole thing. <laughs> but we also it,
0: kind of saw that coming.
1: I didn't <laughs> purely because they spend a twenty-minute info dump explaining to Denlinger something that he clearly knows a lot about. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, "Oh, AI, what's this newfangled thing?" <laughs>
0: And he's the dude who like made it, I guess. I don't know. Like well, he didn't make it. Like I, I, think. Um, I think what they're trying to imply is that he's been a part of this thing the whole time, but he lost access to the keys or something like that. Maybe he hasn't been a part of the thing the whole time, but he he knew what the Soviets were up to. Um, he had insight to that. Like he had intelligence for that, which would make sense. You know, he's a person yeah. that works at R- IMF, um, but. And he wanted to keep it to himself, you know, being a sort of selfish player, which they've already kind of done in the Mission Impossible franchise. I think um, yeah. I think it might have been like number three, I want to say number three, or maybe even Ghost Protocol, where there is like a rogue agent. Oh, sorry, it's Rogue Nation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's in the title. There's a rogue agent inside uh, IMF. But I feel like there's been a few rogue agents, actually. Yeah, Mission Impossible. <laughs> sorry, Mission Impossible Three. There's a rogue agent. The guy, the guy who, yeah, uh, the guy that plays uh, um, Doctor Manhattan. I always remember as him as Doctor Manhattan in The Watchmen. I don't know if you've seen that. You know, Zack Snyder's movie. I haven't. Heard. Yeah, The Watchmen. He plays Doctor Manhattan. He's that guy. Um, anyway, so he's one of the agents who's kind of good throughout the entire third movie, and then you find out at the end that he's been. Working with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who's the real villain. Um, he's been working with him. So, okay, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen <laughs> Puzzle Impossible* three. Oh, yeah, I just ordered for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. So i oh, will probably be like, damn. "Oh, this guy—he's actually one of the best villains in the entire franchise. He is so oh, good." Damn.
1: See, I, I can see him being very good. Like he's such a he's good very actor.
0: He's—he—he he actually like does a whole method acting thing um, as a villain. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Anyway. So it's happened before. So I'm not surprised that this guy, and I kind of got that impression when they have that scene in the beginning both um, Ethan Hunt and this Dylan uh, Dallinger guy, whatever um, they have that scene together. And I'm kind of like, oh, I reckon this guy's going to be a rogue agent by the end of it for sure.
1: Wait, what scene?
0: The scene in the beginning. The Dallinger?
1: Yeah. He doesn't meet Dillinger, though. He meets Kittridge, right? Oh, sorry, Kittridge. Yeah. <laughs>
0: sorry. Yeah. I thinking about Kittredge. Um, yeah, Kittridge is actually not – but, yeah, Dillinger um, – okay, now sc- scrap what I said about that. But, like, I kind of figured that he was going to be a little bit about that because I don't think we're going to ride this whole villain train on just the entity alone and people after. There's going to be –
1: Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: I think it was pretty – obvious
1: that like it's not like the entity is evil but also it's the fact that like it's kind of like a don't look up right it's like yeah uh, that's right. the yeah. people trying to control it are even more evil because they're trying to they they have this they see this power and they want to make it for themselves mm. rather than just save humanity yeah but i just didn't get why dellinger is like he spends like two scenes in the movie like you know in the first info dump he's there just like oh this is weird and then like they walk into the the crt room and they're like hmm, what tools are you using? Oh, we're using old satellites. We should be protected here. And he's like, yes, very good. <laughs> like, doesn't know what's going on, but actually he knows everything. And it just, I know, it's meant to be like a double cross, but sometimes I feel like...
0: It just feels a bit contrived, be, um, right?
1: The other films do it better where they don't paint the guy like an idiot before he does the cross. Yeah. Usually they don't go out of their way to make him look like he's being told information for the first time. Because mm. that's just like a subversion that I think it's, it's a little bit too much.
0: <clears throat> I also think it's a little bit to do with, uh, Carrie Always's delivery. I just don't think like Carrie always, like I respect the guy. I think he's, mm. he, Whoa, well, no, I think he was a good actor, but I just don't think he's the guy to, to be cast in this role. I think he's, Oh, is he, is he, he Dellinger? Dellinger, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> he's just not the guy like he's not it i just don't think he has the acting chops to be able to pull it off so when, right. I'm, when I'm when i'm watching him in this movie his whole delivery i'm kind of like oh man you're a, you're a little bit washed man i think you just need to do b-grade movies <laughs> hey
1: if, you, if you're still getting the work man you gotta take that work
0: I, I suppose so like you know whatever like no hard feelings against him i just think his performance is pretty weak um just not very believable with that delivery maybe he had a problem with like improvising the script (laughs) he's like i normally have my words written down exactly i normally have cue cards but uh now you're telling me to improvise this i don't know um okay let's jump on to the last part of this and then we'll um continue the recap ethan overpowers gabriel atop of the train but the latter escapes and uh detonates a bridge ahead grace and ethan detach the locomotive from the rest of the train saving all the passengers hooray uh, revived, Paris rescues them from falling <laughs> off bridge and reveals the key's connection to the Sevastopol. Ethan flees the train with the complete key, which he 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 pickpocketed from Gabriel during the skirmish. It's kind of cool, like a little bit of it's a little sort of full circle right. coming, you know, with the whole pickpocketing. It. Yeah, it's it's super <laughs> cheesy as shit, but I'm like, all right, looks so they it's connected it's yeah it's like tied up to this whole idea of him being a pickpocketer because he's never been a pickpocketer in the entire franchise all of a sudden he has a skill too which Mm -hmm. you can totally believe it's ethan hunt you know he's like an express buyer everything yeah he's good at everything i totally believe that but it's a bit cheesy the way you've wrap that up whatever i just hate
1: that like all of the big again all the big momentum shifts in in the film are a result of pickpocketing and that's like very cheap to me Um, in a universe where you can have a fake face (laughs) why is pickpocketing the way that things happen
0: oh my god i'm I'm glad you brought that up because like the whole time like i'm thinking why do i just not get on board on this whole pickpocketing thing. Like yeah. made a, like Christopher McCrory and the other writers of the film, they made a big deal about telling us the story about them being good at pickpocketing. Why is that a thing? It's like, it feels so cheap. And the reason why it feels so cheap is because they have all this technology already. And now I you're going to so- just pickpocket people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, you know, in the starting sequence, actually, I didn't talk about this. I found the fact that there was a starting... S- like credit roll was odd. Right. I, I didn't, like that seems odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching going, what is this? It feels like B grade, but then in that starting sequence, which takes longer than you expect, it's pretty long. Yeah. Um, there's like the face ripping off, yeah. like they're putting like liquid into the coffee cup. Yeah. There's like a, a volume sensor or something. Actually, this is kind of making me think, you know, when he's like breaking into that room, and he like, can't touch the floor, and the sweat drops onto yeah. his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Man, that is way cooler yeah. than so anything so shit like it. that. Shit like that is what we're missing in this movie. Completely. Man. Like, all that kind of cool shit. They existed wow. all the way up until probably Rogue Nation, and then it just kind of fell with Fallout. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so much cool stuff and in this movie it's just like oh i've got it now oh i put it over here it's like it's the place that you'd least expect to look mm. and then she looks at Ethan. he's like must be his pocket
0: like <laughs> i don't know it just again i think it's that weak writing perhaps you know like when they, when christopher Macquarie must have must have said something like all right Haley, your character you're going to be a pickpocketer Ethan, you're gonna spend all this movie proving that you're a better pickpocketer than than Haley. All right. Now go go at it. Just go. Yeah. We're gonna fully commit to this, like fully send. And I want you guys to improvise the script and doing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The one last thing, uh negative thing I wanna talk about, because there's positives in this as well, is the fact that I found I I I, like audibly laughed. Like I go I didn't like laugh, but I, I had a bit of a humph moment when Paris stabbed in her heart is alive enough to walk into a different carriage, hold Ethan, and pull him up from <laughs> like a thing from from like hanging. Yet weak enough to then immediately die.
0: Yeah, yeah. like it's. I don't understand
1: <laughs> how both of those things can be true. I like, you're yeah. either not strong enough to lift, or you're strong enough to probably survive after the lift. When she right? when she rocked
0: like, up, I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be so unrealistic for sure."
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, like I don't understand how she's like.
1: I'm stabbed. I'm just lying there. I'm up. I'm crawling. I'm grabbing. I'm pulling. She's a she's okay. an antenna
0: girl, man. She's I've got, got- powers. Yeah, but like, and then she dies. Like, okay, now I've done my
1: job. <laughs> <laughs> she is the one that breaks it open. Like they don't find out about the Sevastopol until she says, it. yeah. Yeah. Um, again, which is
0: just, it's, it's weird um, because her character doesn't seem like she's adding tremendous value to the script at all. Although yeah. she's holding like really important information. And I feel like with that type of information for a character, your character just needs to be a bit more involved, but she's not really that involved. She's kind of in the background. She's like, She's just one of those annoying like uh sidekicks for a villain that just gets in the way like a hurdle right yeah. but she doesn't have that real importance but within...
1: <laughs> so like drawing back to the first film it's like a series of like uh intelligent schemes and like successfully pulling them off pulling off heists yeah. whereas in this movie it just felt like they just Bumbled around and figured stuff out. And they just happened to be better fighters yeah. or better
0: runners. Everything because was like, like by sheer luck. And I'm not saying that that's yeah. not what happens in the previous films. The previous films is a little bit of luck. And they, they always joke about that. Um, it's like an ongoing joke within their team, the Ethan Hunt's team, but they still put so much hard work into the strategy on how to take down the missions. It's like, it's fun. It's like, that's where all the fun and the, and the chunkiness of, um, what makes Mission Impossible so special, but it's kind of missing in this is like it's more 007 without much intelligence at all. <laughs> but 007 generally has
1: like a pretty good plan. When he does it has that. a
0: good plan, but just not in the same It's a, It's a different style of planning compared to Mission oh, Impossible. Plan, right? Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible yeah. That's actually a good way of putting it. So Mission Impossible is more like a heist on the mission. Um, and there is just. There's a little bit of planning, but then there's more. It's more intelligence behind the planning as as opposed to mm. planning itself, because they eventually change those plans once the mission gets goes away, which is kind of the fun part, right? They figure out all these other things with the uh, with all the other tools and gadgets that they have at their expense. So, and that's just completely missing in the entire film. And this that's where they just suffer quite a bit. Is that them? Our central characters are pretty central, you know, Ethan Hunt and. Um, Uh, grace Grace, you know it's the focus is on them for sure and I i don't mind that it's just why even have you the rest of your team members there other than to serve like a really cool sequence in the airport and then that's about it it's just yeah
1: i i yeah i definitely think that like this film would have benefited more from like the other team having a plan them sticking to a plan i would like to know that the main character is successfully doing something rather than just kind of like I'm going to show up and start fighting people and stuff is going to work out. Yeah,
0: that's right. Uh, um, yeah. All right, let's just read this last part and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I think we did, baby. Did we? Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we finished. What's that? I thought we finished. Yeah, we did. It, yeah. We did finish it. Oh, maybe I should just add a transition there to like send it. Um, yeah. Some, some other like thoughts that I had about this was, And and I'm like, I knew this was going to happen in the recap because when I finished the movie, I didn't know exactly why I didn't love it. I was like, "There's something really missing. Like, there's something fundamentally Mm -hmm. missing from this, and I don't know what it is." But you know what? The legit cool podcast recap is going to be able to reveal it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad, like, we took the time to actually like really bring that into into light. Um, it's funny for me. I walked out actually
1: thinking it was good mm. to be honest um i think it's a bad spy film it's a bad heist film but it is a good action film yeah and if i try yeah. if i try and like yeah and like the thing is the spy elements the entity the um the mcguffin of the key like they're the things that make the action movie worse than it could have been mm-hmm I think if they took away all the spy elements, this would be a very good action film. Yeah. But as it stands, it's not a good spy film.
0: No, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. It's like, it's just not the same Mission Impossible that we're so used to. It's mm. it's almost like Fallout, except worse. <laughs> Is Fallout sick, like the last one? Fallout was the previous one, yeah.
1: Uh, okay. With okay. Uh,
0: Henry Cavill and Angel Bassett, like great actors, but it just didn't really hit home for me. They were just, again, kind of uh, good action films, not even great action films, with a little bit of spy and thriller in it. Um, but you're right. you're right with this one. This one is just like, it felt lazy. You know, the script felt lazy. The villain yeah. wasn't really thought out correctly. Um, the action sequences were just fine they're okay i good no
1: i i would admit that i think the action sequences are uh visually very
0: entertaining what action sequences do we have let's count because it's not many right like it's just it's the car chase scene got, i guess you could call no, it the airport desert scene. shooting, oh, the desert shooting desert scene. Shooting. yeah yeah, that's right that was right at the beginning um the train sequence and then train the nighttime sequence,
1: sequence. Long. venice yeah venice nighttime sequence um yeah, but I think, like, you know, like, if you, if you try and, like, sort of, it, like, like, desert shooting sequence, hard to know what was going on, but it was kind of a cool scene. Yeah. Um, car chase, I don't love car chases, but it, I I would have to admit it was a good car chase in the grand scheme of car chases. Mm. I Just think, too long. Yeah, just too long. Um, Venice fighting scene. Oh, look, I felt a lot of urgency there when Simon Pegg got, like, uh, hacked, I guess you want to call it. Like, I, I did feel like, oh, this is... Nothing that's happening. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> You're a smarter um, man than me. I was just kind of like, all right, yeah, cool. we we'll are just kind of rolling with the motion. It, it was
1: one of the few moments where I thought, oh, the AI is doing something. Honestly, that was why I was excited about mm. it. Like, you never see the AI do anything yeah. except for that. And that made me go, oh, okay, I can kind of imagine its power now.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and, and that just kind of reminded me of Eagle Eye. Um, again, yeah. Yeah. But Eagle Eye just does way more of that. The whole movie is centered around the AI just doing shit to them.
1: <laughs> I am surprised you remember Eagle Eye yeah, so well. Maybe. I just thought Shia
0: LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. The And, um, his co-star, the supporting actress, she plays the wife of Ethan Hunt. There you go. I don't They see. should have caught her up for this. And she would have been like, Hey, no, I'll she- give you some ideas on how to run an
1: AI villain. <laughs> how long ago was this 2008 wow Mm. um but yeah and then okay so and i think the train sequence is
0: like mm, i I was a little bit bored with the train sequence like we've seen so many of those types of sequences in many many action films like even the idea of having the characters on a like super fast moving train on top i thought of speed yeah speed yeah the but, one where the,
1: he gets his head chopped off.
0: True, true. That was crazy. And then this, well, yeah, with the whole ducking, with the, with the tunnel, we've seen that so many times. There was nothing new with that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think all in all, like, I would rank this Mission Impossible movie quite low compared to the other ones. Um, Ooh, okay, well, why don't we jump into a number then? Let's jump into a number. Who's going to go first out of 10? You're going to go first. I'm going to go
1: first. You, just, you <laughs> did. You okay.
0: Did. I think it want be higher than you. I think I liked it more than you did. Okay, so... I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. I think it's not a terrible movie. I think it's quite entertaining for the most part. Um, like, who doesn't want to see, like, the ship blowing up and, you know, a, bu- a bunch of gun fight sequences and car chase sequences. Like, all that kind of stuff is fun. Like, it's, it's always enjoyable to watch. Um, but it just misses what Mission Impossible is so good at and what its reputation is, you know? Fun gadgety strategy tactics that kind of fall on his face a little bit um, throughout the mission, but then they pick it back up by just implying, not implying, but inputting a lot more thought around how to like solve the problem that they have and all that kind of stuff. But all of that's missing from the Mission Impossible franchise, and and this one just feels like Fallout. Like it feels a little bit darker than all the other ones. This one just feels like mm-hmm. a darker, grittier, and I always come back to. Like Skyfall, 007 or something. Um, oh, you know what's actually kind of funny? Can I say
1: this? Everyone loved Skyfall, and you know me—I don't actually watch films in cinemas that often. Mm. But I went out of my way to watch Skyfall purely because of the um, how much people loved it, <laughs> and I did not
0: did not love it. Like
1: the idea that the final fight is like. And, like, I think, like, thematically, it's cool that it's, like, he's got no gadgets, he's just alone with a farm. Mm. But it's not entertaining to watch, and I didn't watch Skyfall. Yeah. I think I would like it more second time around, to be honest. It's it's the kind of movie where I feel like I would really appreciate the acting from the villain, whose name I
0: forget right now. Oh, Javier Bardem?
1: Yeah. I think, like, um... I would appreciate it more now, but back then I was disappointed. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so I still put Skyfall on the lower end of Daniel Craig uh, 007 as well. Yeah. So for this one, people call it the best one though. Really? No way. There are people in the Daniel Craig. Like yeah, the, in
1: the, the Daniel Craig era. Yeah, man.
0: The best one's Casino See, Royale were. by far.
1: People love Skyfall. I think. I, I, th- I thought. No, so. I, I
0: agree. Like, like most people do love Skyfall. I didn't love it. Like, I think it was okay, but Casino Royale, I think, is just it's perfect. It's a it's the perfect gold standard for a 007 film. Um, yeah.
1: Whoa. Confi- oh, wait, wait, no, no, Sorry. Um, I'm going to do it by popularity. I'm looking at IMDb. Sorry, keep going.
0: Um, yeah, so 7 out of 10 doesn't quite deserve anything beyond that. And I think I'm being a little bit generous, to be honest, when I say 7 out of 10. I completely disagree with the whole 94, 96% <laughs> from yeah. critics and audiences. I just think it's it doesn't. Quite deserve that. Uh, but I also don't think it deserves like a 5 out of 10 or anything. I think 7 is a fair, fair 7 out of 10. Yeah, cool. What about I,
1: actually, good. There's a point here. So, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning on IMDb, which actually rates purely on rating, not just, you know, binary yes nos, currently sitting on an 8 out of 10, which is the same as Casino Royale.
0: Hmm. That is crazy. People yeah. People are high, man.
1: So I would say this movie. I was going to give it like a seven point five. I could probably be talked down to a seven. Um, I felt that like the action is. I think I'm just sort of. I'm gonna like be quick because I think I've said a lot of this stuff in the past. (laughs) The action is fun. It is engaging. If you want to watch it as just purely an action film, I think it's quite a good one but then when you're watching it as an action film you're going to sit there and go man there's a lot of plot here like i don't really care about this it's not very good plot and you'd be right to say that right the plot is not very yeah. good um i think it's like even from a spy point of view it's just very thin there's This this uh, entity that has a mind of its own that wants to protect itself um and there's a guy supporting it for some reason i don't know why Really? Well, I guess it's quote-unquote,
0: um, it's power, and it's power that is... Yeah, but
1: why, why has the entity chosen him, and what does he want from it? Like, oh, sorry, you're I'm talking about Gabriel.
0: I, th- I was talking about uh, and yeah. Del- 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 Ninja. Yeah, all
1: the countries want to get, I get that, yeah. right? But he wants it to just leave it free. Yeah. But free, it's doing nothing. That's,
0: it's actually not doing actually, anything. that's the thing. Like, no, like, sorry uh, to interrupt. Like, yeah, we actually go. didn't even talk too much about Gabriel's character. I was like, because Gabriel's character was something that I didn't really appreciate. It's like, Oh, he's, I liked him. He's kind of cool, but like, there was no explanation why this the AI chose yeah. Gabriel. Or like, what is nice this about? I don't know why he's doing. Like, I don't know why the entity chose him, and
1: I don't know why he agreed. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, why? Yeah, why is he even back? Like, there's no, there's no real reason. But what, at least, hmm. like, the film doesn't even explain why he's back. You yeah, know, why is he back? Like, he did. There was this whole idea of like him being in the past and he killed his wife. I think it was his wife or his girlfriend or something, or his partner, know, something, something like that. But it doesn't actually tell us like why he's even back in the first place. Like they don't even mention anything yeah. like oh, I came back to kill you or whatever. Like even that wouldn't be a really good explanation. It had nothing to do with Ethan,
1: I think. Like he just wants to help the entity for some reason, but we don't like, know why? why? <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of pisses me off. Is like the entity um, is sending Gabriel on this mission to, um, you know, get the key so that, like, Ethan can't destroy it, right? They go on a million times. Oh, it's a billion computations a second. It's already infiltrated the world's military. You've got a lot of time to do stuff, Entity. Like, maybe multitask a little bit. Like, you can help Gabriel do this thing, mm-hmm. and you can cause some havoc somewhere else. Like it's crazy. It, it, it feels like it's doing nothing. It's like, oh, it's scared. I'm like, well, do something about it, man! Like you can do a lot. <laughs> you can everything. You control like what truth is. And one other thing that I thought was a bit silly, they keep going on about how like all the countries are kind of trying to get the entity for themselves. Like they didn't help the U.S., but you never see any agent from anywhere else doing anything. I think it would have been a lot more fun if there was just a lot more like competing. Not entities, uh, but competing agencies uh, or yeah. competing countries trying to do trying to get this. Like that, that was really been just thing. like two
0: people competing for it.
1: Yeah, it's Gabriel and America.
0: Yeah. And like <laughs> or the guy that comp- represents America.
1: The film is already quite chaotic. Like mm. I, I feel like if the film just sort of leaned into how chaotic it was, you would sort of it would be more understandable that their plans are shitty. Mm. But the thing is there's not actually a lot of moving parts. There's Gabriel and there's America and their plans are still shitty. Yeah. So that kinda of pisses me off. Anyway, seven point five for me.
0: Seven point five. All right.
1: You can put a seven on the on, on the graphics if I might you want. Do
0: that, yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Um saucy review and recap. I think we actually did a good job with that. Um we really yeah, sort of 0. identified <laughs> I think we just really identified the things that a lot of people listening probably wouldn't have picked up. Um, I'm assuming that just because um, I'm just going by virtue of the consensus and I'm going by virtue of the Rotten Tomatoes score. is that everybody loves this movie. Everyone's saying that this is like possibly the best mission Impossible. And I'm like, what were you drunk when you watched this?
1: (laughs) I I don't don't
0: see Walking out. I'm, I'm interested to, to hear what people have to say about this, but things like I've, I've watched uh, Jeremy Johns and Chris Duckman's review. These guys are the the most popular YouTube movie reviewers. Um, they're like one in two, and I think like Jeremy Johns is number one just by the amount of subscribers. Anyway, I always listen to those guys' reviews, and these guys say that Mission Impossible was really good. So I was kind of like, oh, I, I trust these guys. I always, I always, um, and somewhat aligned with how they see films and the way I see films. Um, there's probably like a, a handful of movies out there that i would disagree with them on um Mm -hmm. but they said that the movie was quite good so i was i was expecting it to be like the best you know like and i told you before that the gold standard for me is probably ghost protocol i think that's a awesome awesome film second to that's probably going to be number three or maybe
1: does one rate? Because I actually liked one a lot.
0: One probably rates at number four for me. Because okay. number one's great. And obviously it's what's kicked off the buzz for Mission Impossible being like this awesome spy thriller, um, action-heavy um, piece from Tom Cruise. But it just they just get better at it as the Mission Possibles progress, right? They just get better right. at that concept that, that made them successful in the beginning. So... Um, yeah, I think it sort of rates it at number four for me. Number one is probably Ghost Protocol, then Rogue Nation and then no, maybe number three. I don't know. Some of like that. Three well, or four. Right now
1: I rate number one and then dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd I'd have to say like dead reckonings like like the worst one out of all of them is number two. And then I'd say dead reckonings next to that, and then Fallout. Um, and then, uh, Rogue Nation, then number one protocol uh, and then number three and then protocol, something like
1: that. I can't oh. wait to, to be a defender of number two. Cause I reckon it's going to have like doves flying. <laughs> <into the world.
0: laughs> it's going to have everything you expect from a John Wu film yeah. for sure. Maybe not yeah. everything, but like, yeah. If you're a John Woo fan, I, I think will you'll love it. it.
1: Like, if, if they're, like, diving through a window while shooting in slow motion, I'm
0: there. Uh, there's something, like... There's some slow motion sequences where he's shooting while he's on a motorcycle, like, going at, like, frickin' 300 <laughs> miles an hour.
1: That sounds perfect. Because <laughs> it makes the bullet go faster, you know that.
0: <laughs> sure. I guess it does. Um, okay. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? No,
1: I think I've covered it. All right, cool.
0: Um, live... The live thing actually worked. We're live It'll for work. like about three minutes shy of the actual recording time. So, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in, which is probably no one really. I think there was a few people that tuned into the live session. It is off of my personal uh, Facebook, but um, better than negative people, which is what I expected. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the listener, if you're listening to this from wherever you are, which is Spotify, Google podcast apple podcast or Podboom. thank you for joining us again for our long wounded discussions about film and this one as we wrap up is mission impossible did reckoning part one um you can find us on social media all of that will be in the show notes if you click on the drop down arrow um on any platform that you're listening from all our uh, handles our Social media handles will be on there. The next movie that we're going to be reviewing on this is going to be Barbie. Um, oh, did you, oh, wait, I can't spoil it. You saw it right I have already seen it and I regretted every second of my decision. No,
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: I can't believe yeah. that. Everyone loves it. Oh man. People are again, probably drunk watching this movie. Actually, you probably, would have been, you probably would benefit a lot if you just go drunk, just go completely drunk. Wait,
1: do you think I would hate it though? You know, I've got like weird tastes sometimes. Mm, I think you would hate it. Yeah. But like, because I'm not going to have the same lens of like things need to make sense in a film like. No,
0: that, and neither do I. Like, you know, like don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't go into this thinking that I need to like analyze the hell out of this. Like, this doesn't make sense. They all have the same name. Like, <laughs> this looks fake.
1: <laughs>
0: um yeah. No, no, know. Like, I, I'm the same as well. Like, you know, like I, I'm a movie enthusiast, right? And I love to take movies for what they're what they're trying to be. Yeah. Barbie was just an absolutely stupid movie. And it shouldn't have been made. <laughs> I don't know. Like if they, if they were going to make a Barbie film, at least make sense of what you're trying to do with the subject matter. They weren't this movie. is just wow. completely stupid. It feels like a sketch comedy, like on SNL. That's what it feels like the entire time.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So it's just like, it, it, you seem to hate that though. Cause like, I know Thor, you kind of compared oh, Thor 4 yeah, Thor Thor to that. was just
0: a stupid movie as well. And that felt like a sketch comedy. This, is the same thing, probably worse than Thor. But oh wow. with Barbie's and a Barbie world.
1: Seven point six out of ten. So it's actually not doing that great IMDb wise.
0: Uh, I think seven point six is kind of a common, like, good score for IMDB.
1: Yeah, no, but like people I just thought the the overwhelming pop um like the uh casual i keep not thinking of words like what people think of this film seems to be quite high the consensus
0: oh yeah like the rotten tomato score is like 89
1: yeah it's high right this is funny look at imdb because i haven't seen the film it's like top cast barbie 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 barbie
0: barbie it's just a really stupid movie i really wanted to enjoy it but yeah the first like i think like the first 10 minutes i was like oh my goodness the ideas that they're executing here are just so stupid.
1: <laughs> Who are you doing that one with review wise?
0: Uh, I, uh, I don't know. If you want to go watch it, we can review it together. Otherwise I'll just, nah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we can just, uh, I'm just going to roast it by myself. It was just a stupid movie. It's, it's probably the wokest movie I've ever seen in my life. Like they used the Barbie concept to just propagate work ideas. It was absolutely I insane. <laughs>
1: I'm working shit. I want, I want, I want more propaganda. I don't think of this
0: work though. Like this is crazy. It's the look. I'm going to just tell you so then you get prepared for it. The movie I'm not going to watch. Oh, okay. The movie is just about taking down the patriarchy in the real world. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's what it's all about, and they double down on it like it's no tomorrow. It's it's wild because Barbie World is about women like controlling the world because they're all Barbies. Yeah. And then they they,
1: they so is, it, is it like a location in like America or is it like Barbie what world? is Barbie? No, in? it's a fictional
0: location. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> representing the represented in the film. You know what I mean? No, no, it's a fictional world in the film. That's the thing right it's a fictional world in the film and barbie has this like internal like almost like existential crisis or some shit and uses the real world to try and fix that issue and discovers that the world is run by men and it's not the same as barbie world and then and then ken discovers that in the real world and he and he thinks it's a great idea so he tries to infiltrate that idea into barbie world and just controls all the women in there it's just it's so bad (laughs)
1: It was actually a plot. Okay, this is interesting. Yeah, there's a
0: plot, but like look, I, I'm all for like Hollywood doing whatever they the, how they want with work bullshit or whatever. So as long as like tell a good story at least, this just yeah. was executed badly. And it was just like right. it was just a lecture. You know, good good storytelling is not you lecturing the audience. Good storytelling is you conveying a good story and you can make whatever you want from that message. Not lecturing. Like, this was just Hollywood's way of saying, hey, we're going to use Barbie because people don't believe, obviously, Barbie's like a, a crazy concept. And we're going to use this as a, a, as a, like, wheelbarrow to wheelbarrow our work ideas into <laughs> the mainstream audience. That's literally what they done.
1: You, you know, you're making me want to watch it. Watch it. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to spend the money. So
0: you've it's made terrible. me spend too much money on film. It's, a, <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> movie. And I wish it, I wish it fails miserably, which it's not at the moment. So, <laughs> no,
1: I think it's going very well.
0: All right. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Um, thank you for All tuning right, into cool. that. Uh, sorry for bragging on the end, uh, listener. But um, yeah, the next that's movie we're going to review is Barbie, and then after that, we're going to move on to like pretty quickly. We're going to move on to Secret Invasion. So that's going to come. Oh, that's okay. the the finale for that is this Wednesday, and we'll release a, a big review and recap on the entire season. So you don't do it episode by episode anymore. No, no, just like just one. one season. <laughs> one <laughs> season. Uh, thanks, Tony. Um, we will catch you again on the Logical, Logical Podcast, and um, bye to the listener. Bye to everyone else. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.